Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Little Fruitful Bethlehem is just exactly the town God intended for the Messiah of our salvation to make his entrance into human history. And so what can we learn from this smallness of Bethlehem, not even being mentioned here in Joshua 15? We learned that it is in your own smallness that God can also work through you to go out and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to the glory of the Father. Because I know you feel small at times. God can use you. God works through smallness. Isn't that great? Many people, they, and, and I struggled with this and still do, uh, people consider themselves too small, too weak, too inefficient. I'm not articulate enough. I don't sound like all those other great pastors that have been doing it for 20, 30 plus years on the radio and what all. I don't sound like them. I don't look like them. <laughs> People look at me, I say, I'm a pastor. They look at me funny like, you? I, I feel small. I feel like I, I shouldn't be doing this. I feel inefficient, like I really can't do it. Not good enough to be used by God. And when people think like this, they incorrectly assume that God can't work through them. Smallness is exactly what God works through. You feel small? Oh, you're in a good place. God can use you greatly. That's exactly what God works through, so don't count yourself out. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9 says this, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. One thing I always try to tell people from this verse, I use this verse, when somebody, something bad happens, Someone dies, they get this disease, or they fall into bad financial situations, and, th- and there's just no answer that seems to work, and everybody's trying to comfort them, and it's just so sharp, it, it, just, it just doesn't, it's just not enough. I have one thing I can pull out from my sleeve that I can tell them. God does his best work in our weakness. When people are really hurting and really down, this is what I tell them. This is the best I got. I tell them, hey, I show them that verse. I said, hey, this is where God's going to do his best stuff. So take comfort in that. I don't know what to tell them about how it's going to be better. I don't know where their money is going to come from. I don't know how their health is going to get better. If they just lost a loved one, I can't bring them back. But I can tell them, this is where God does his best work. You remember that when you are hurting or if somebody you know is hurting, tell them that. That's where God does his best stuff. 1 Corinthians one twenty seven. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the what? The weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. 
you feel weak, good. Let God work through you. If you're walking around saying, I'm awesome, and I'm this, and I'm that, and I got it all down, uh uh-uh, you're done. Take a seat. Hit the pause button. You feel weak? You feel inefficient like Moses? I can't talk. I'm not a good speaker. Let somebody else do it. Oh, God's like, no, I'm going to use you. That's where you want to be. That's where you want to be. I try to find... um, Try to find this godly comfort because we all go through this. We all have inefficiencies and we feel a lack of confidence at times. If you've been distressed in your weakness, if you've been pressured in your weakness, if you stop walking with God in your weakness, you start getting foul about it, start hating people, getting grudges and all that kind of stuff going on, then I want to suggest maybe you've got this formula backwards. Maybe you've been trying to use your own strength for your own glory, instead of using your weakness for God's glory. Maybe spin this formula backwards. You've been going at it wrong. This is what repentance is. This is what repentance is like this. I've turned around. That's repentance. That's all repentance is. It's turning around. I'm all proud and I'm mighty and I'm, I'm just doing it. Y'all watch me. I'm the, I'm the prime example of what it looks like. Oh, you're done. You need to turn around and go back the other way. You need to get small. You need to get low. That's why the Bible says every knee will bow, because when you bow, you get low. It's a good place to be. God does his best stuff through weakness. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So bow the knee to Jesus and get small. Bow the knee to get small. God works through small things. God brought the Messiah through from Bethlehem, not even mentioned. You think God could work through you? Well, I'm too small. Exactly. That's what I mean. God can work through you. He works through small things, even like you and me. So now let's look again here at Joshua 15, verse 63, because I know y'all saw this. Joshua 15, verse 63. It says, as for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah could not drive them out. But the Jebusites dwell with the children of Judah at Jerusalem to this day. So what happened here? Why couldn't they get the Jebusites out? What's going on? Weren't they supposed to have success in driving them out? Let's go back and recall this promise real quick. Joshua 3.10. It says, And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites without fail. God will, without fail. So wait a minute. If it was promised that God would drive out the Jebusites, why can't they get them out of Jerusalem? Here's my next problem i got to deal with. What is going on? Why can't they get them out? What's going on? I just want to say real quick, before we go any further, this is an opportunity. This is what I call opportunity. Okay? Let me explain. Most people, being unbelieving skeptics, I would put it, They look at a biblical moment like this, and they go, oh, look, there's an error. Oh, look, there's something wrong. So much for your God. Okay, if you want to be a lightweight theologian, go ahead and call it that. It's not an error. It's not. They say, well, if God said he would get them out, apparently he didn't deliver on this promise. So if God can't deliver on this promise, how can I trust anything God says? And they'll try to trip you up. And if you're not ready for them, they'll get you, and you'll be ashamed of yourself for not being ready. But we who believe, we know that the Bible is inerrant. It means there's no errors in it at all. 
And we also know that when God makes a promise, he always delivers on it. Always. So why now? Here's the question again. Why are they unable to drive the Jebusites out? What are we supposed to do with this? This is an opportunity. Today, I'm going to try to build you up. Okay? So let's all, let's all go build up together. Here's what you do. Here's how you get ready for things like this. All right? 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Okay? Do not let the skeptics make you ashamed. Oh, you're, look, an error. Your God can't deliver it. Don't let them have that. How do you counter it? You be studied. Do you read the word? Man, not much. Well, I hear what you preach, Ray. If all you're hearing is what I preach, you're messing up. You need to go home and study. You need to read. You need to come in here armed and ready to go. Sharpen your sword, man. Come in here and join us on Sunday, and you'll get a little more out of it through the assembly. But you've got to be studied. You've got you to get in there. So let's try to take this story as an opportunity, not just to find out why the Jebusites are still in Jerusalem, but also to learn how to get where stories like this won't get us caught ashamed in front of God mockers. Okay? Do you want to be a diligent worker approved before God? I do. So if you agree to that, then we're going to study. It's easy to just read. Study is different than just reading. We're going to study the word of the truth to find the answer. And to do this, we have to keep this story in its context. What I was talking about context earlier. You get some little, few little words off, and it throws everything out. We're going to bring it back into context. We're not going to, oh, look, God can't deliver. Oh, oh, God can't keep a promise. Error. No. Context. We're going to bring you into the context. What I mean by this is we have to consider that in the previous chapters of Joshua, there were times that there was sin among the Israelites, and it messed everything up. We remember that. You remember the sin of Achan from Joshua 7. Achan did what God said not to do. He collected spoils of war from a city that they destroyed, and he kept it, and he hid it in the camp because God said, don't do that. And they paid for it. It caused the next conquest of the Israelites to be defeated at the city of Ai, and 36 Israelite men died because of it, because the sin of Achan. They had to find him out. They had to find out, where's the sin in the camp? Where's the sin in the camp? And it fell on, on Achan, and they went after him, and he would not repent. He would not repent. They had to get him out. This is biblical. Oh, the house of God is open to everybody. No, it's not. I will argue that point. It's not. The unrepentant. Achan would not repent, and it caused people to die. It caused damage. So what we have here... Sin is not permitted in the assembly because it does damage, and Israel's own sin kept them from walking forward in God's promises. It was not that God could not deliver on the promise. It was not that God refused to deliver on the promise. It was because Israel had sin that prolonged the timeline on which God could fulfill that promise. Israel's sin did this. Everybody wants to blame God. Oh, God, you couldn't do that. Context. Who's messing up here? God or Israel? We got to remember we're the sinner, not him. That's the context here in the book of Joshua. Israel's sin prolonged the timeline for which God could fulfill the promise. And several times we have where God promised 
Israel sinned, and so God delayed the promise. God promised somebody sinned, so he delayed the promise. It's not that he broke the promise. It's just you're messed up. I can't give you the promise if you're acting like this. Sin will keep you held back from God's blessings. Sin will keep you in damage mode. And it's not God's fault for delaying the promises. It's our fault, the sinner. God will deliver the promise, but sin can ruin your shot at being part of it like you should be. We should keep in mind that God kept renewing on his promise to drive the people out of the land. He kept saying he was going to do it, even though Israel continued to mess up. He still renewed that promise. Now, after Achan's sin and after Israel's defeat at the city of Ai, God still reassured Joshua back in Joshua 13, 6. He said, them I will drive out from before the children of Israel. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And so God gave his assurance that he would drive everybody out. Eventually, it'll get there. How are you walking in obedience, though? Is the question. So here we are in chapter 15, and the Jebusites are still not yet conquered and driven out of Jerusalem because God is not going to deliver while man's being sinful. There's sin in the camp somewhere. And so apparently there's some sin in Israel. It keeps the Israelites from driving the Jebusites, the Jebusites out. Now, I do want to tell you where, so that you can see the fulfillment of the promise, so that the skeptics can be blown out of the water. <laughs> this is not a, a mistake. God does deliver on his promise to drive the Jebusites out, but that does not happen until much later in King David's time in 2 Samuel 5 and 6. It says, and the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites. There it is. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Friend, are you waiting on a promise? And it ain't come? Hmm. Is there sin in your camp? Uh Uh-oh. You realize sometimes we can be our own worst enemy? God did drive out the Jebusites as he promised, but it was fulfilled on God's timeline, not man's. On God's timeline. We're the sinner, not God. When God makes a promise, he'll do it, but it's not our place to demand that God act on our timetable. God acts on his timetable. And a lot of times it depends on how we're being towards him, obedient or patient. God works on his timetable. We should be obedient and patient to that. And so I wanted to use this passage today as an opportunity to show you how to not let unbelievers put you to shame, but rather for us to be diligent to study Scripture. You don't get to this by just reading every now and then. You can't get to this just by hearing me. You've got to be reading that sucker, man. You've got to be reading the Word of God. Read the Bible once a year and start over again. Keep going. Fill that reservoir up. Get some information in there. And you'll start connecting this to that and that to this, and it'll start working to where these skeptics come, and they want to go boink and pluck a little scripture out of nowhere. Hey, look, error. You go, no, no, no. David took care of it later, man. Oh, okay. Shut them up. Right? We've got to look ahead through the Word. Diligent to study scripture. Back through the book of Joshua to gain the context and then also look ahead through more study of the word to find out how this is not an error in the Bible, that the Jebusites couldn't be pushed out, even though God promised they would be. So how did I know about 2 Samuel? Talking about God 
pushing out the Jebusites through King David. Because I studied. Because I read. I put in the time. I was diligent about it. Well, Ray, you're a pastor. That's what you have to do. We're all supposed to do it. Be diligent to study God's word. Push hard to find the answer. God mockers and lazy people will always resort to scripture plucking. But those who want to present themselves approved to God will do more than lazy plucking. They will diligently work, rightly dividing the word of truth. And you cannot get this through t-shirt and bumper sticker theology. Doesn't happen. That's what a lot of people do. Oh, good bumper sticker. I like that. Oh, I want that shirt. That's awesome. Great shirt. Great bumper sticker. But don't let that be the basis on what you believe. You need to read the Word of God. Go home. Open your Bible. Turn off that TV a little bit more often. And pursue to understand more and more of God's Word. Pursue to understand your Messiah. Pursue to understand your King who gave his whole life to die on the cross to save you. Isn't that not worth your time? You know, my grandmother was 93 years old one, and uh, she used to like playing that game. Guess how old I am? <laughs> and we would always pretend not to know, right? She was proud of her age. Oh, I don't know. And you undercut it like, I don't know, 80? <laughs> she was 93. She, she loved telling you that she was 93. Oh, I'm 93. And then she grabbed her Bible next to her chair. And she goes, you know, I've been reading this Bible every day as much as I can for most of my life. And every time I read it, I get something totally new like I'd never seen it before. At 93, (laughs) 93, you know, you'll never discover any dinosaur bones with a garden trowel and a couple scoops. It takes digging. It takes digging and research and deep holes. So dig deep, get way down in God's word, study to show thyself approved. And he'll show you the answer. The Jebusites, did, they did get a run out eventually. God did deliver on his promise, but he did it through King David on his own timeline. Let us learn to be obedient and patient. The God of Israel is good. He's good. And he does deliver on his promises. That's why when it says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, I'm not in heaven yet, Ray. I'm not in heaven yet, Ray. Well, God's going to (laughs) deliver. Okay, he'll do it. Aren't you glad salvation's a promise? Ooh, man, if it wasn't, we'd be in trouble. It's not a sin license. It's something to take comfort in. So today we saw how God establishes small things so that he can work great promises through them, just like little Jerusalem would bring forth the Messiah. We also saw how a little sin can be a great hindrance on God working great things because he won't work through that sin. Just like how Judah could not drive out the Jebusites, even though God promised that it would come to pass. What we can get out of this is today, if you will dedicate yourself to be diligently working to rightly divide the word of truth. Not pluck, 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 pluck. You want to pluck? Go work at a chicken factory. But if you really want to get deep in the Word of God and be diligent to show yourself approved, it takes time, takes study. God loves that. But also, when you rightly divide the Word of truth, not only will you come to know the promises that God gives you, 
but you'll also come to know how to live obediently and patient so that God can work his promises through your little life. And he'll do it. Remember, smallness is not what keeps God from working mightily in your life. Smallness does not stop God from working in your life. Smallness is what God works through. It's the sin that stops that. Good point of decision for all of us, isn't it? Um, You know, I haven't been doing this, and one of the reasons why I opened this up is because, like what Dove did, I want to give you a chance to respond today. What I want to do is I want to ask you, if you want to call to repentance, maybe you haven't been obedient, maybe there's some sin in your camp, maybe there's something hindering your walk. This is open up front. If one comes, more will come. And it's not, I'm not going to make you cough it up and admit it to anybody up here. Maybe you've had a lack of patience. Maybe you have mistaken God's timing as an unanswered prayer. Maybe you're waiting on something to happen that's still yet to happen. It's going to happen. We just need to trust in God, okay? If you want to pray, come up here right now and we're going to pray. Father God, draw your people. Lord God, draw your people, whoever wants to come forward. Lord, we ask forgiveness. Lord, we repent. Lord, we have been impatient. Lord, we have been too quick. We have been trying to work things out on our own glory, on our own steam, our own strength, and we're out, and we're tired. Forgive us, God. Forgive us, Lord God, for jumping the gun. Forgive us, God, that we forgot to stop and wait on you. Lord, this is on you. We, we ask you to help us, Lord God, and we, we turn around. We give it back to you. Never was ours in the first place. Our way was never going to fix it. We ask you, Lord God, to take over. It's yours. That's what calling you Lord means is that it is all yours. Father, I've been looking for promise in my life. I've been looking for blessing, and I just can't seem to get a hold of it. I'm distressed. I'm ashamed when mockers come and put me against the wall and I'm tired of it and I want it to change. Lord God, I turn and I hand it to you. I want to diligently give myself to the study of your word and I want you to take over, Lord God. Today, now, Lord God, right now, Lord, this big problem, this big hindrance, I let it go. It's yours. It's gone. Take it, Lord God, and do your work with it. Lord, I feel small. I feel so small. I feel insignificant. I feel like I have nothing. But Lord, I learned today, that's what you work through. Work through me, God. All those who have come for prayer and all those praying in their seat right now, Lord, take their inefficiencies, take their lack of confidence, take their lack of strength, their smallness, Lord, and do great and mighty things through them as they give it up to you. O little town of Bethlehem, which was declared Bethlehem Ephrathah, fruitful through which the Messiah would come and bring salvation to all men. Lord, work through small me to carry the gospel to all these people that I know. And where I feel weak, that's where you're strong. Do your work, Lord God. I thank you for it. Thank you for those who have prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time 
unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.